I had a mentor in my first job and I was really stressed out about where I was going and so forth. And she had told me, she's like, Margaret, you're always looking at the next mountain. And I see this a lot, like you're always looking at the next mountain. She's like, but we need to stop and we need to look down. Look that you've climbed up, you're at the top of this mountain before you're just always obsessed with looking at the top of the next mountain. And I think that's been a really great grounding exercise to stop and say, well, we have, you know, these baby steps really matter. I think another entrepreneur has said, you know, take your goal, break it down, which I think I was already doing it. And then he added and he's like, and you have to celebrate it. Welcome back to the Alumni Matters mini-series. I'm Jenny Lucas-Hill, and my guest for this mini-series is Margaret Shearer, founder and CEO of Tutatina Marketing. In the second episode of this mini-series, we're going to be discussing entrepreneurship and nurturing growth. Welcome to the show, Margaret. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Could you start by telling our listeners a little bit about your business, Tutadina Marketing, and what excites you about it? Sure. So Tutadina Marketing is the one-stop shop for digital marketing. We work with marketers and business owners to create cohesive, beautiful marketing campaigns online. Um, Cittadina is the Italian word for a female citizen. I am, of course, am a female citizen. Um, I am an Italiophile. It makes a little less sense to be an American with a British company with an Italian name. Probably not something I would recommend to my customers, but it it means quite a lot to me. Um, Cittadina also means uh, little town. And I believe, you know, it takes a village in that we are the little town. We are the village behind you and your marketing um, dreams and goals. And we have all the different resources in our little town to help you succeed. Uh, So what excites me about it? I think what's really interesting to me is I really, I really love digital marketing. (laughs) I say that with kind of a sigh because it's sometimes you can forget that you love this thing when, when you're an entrepreneur and what's happening. And then you get this interesting data set uh, and I'm like, oh gosh, this is so interesting. And I get really excited about that. Um, and I really love business. So I'm so fascinated. The benefit of being an agency is I get to really learn how so many different businesses are operating, how they design. One of my like weird hobbies is uh, when I'm working with the kind of fast growth series A, series B companies, I'm totally fascinated of this stage of business of, of you've taken a very scrappy team to now you have resources and you're growing and how people design their marketing team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm always like, oh, that's so it's just really interesting because there's so many different ways to kind of do it. And, I, and then I just think about that a lot. But so there's a um, aspect where we work with marketers. Um, marketers have probably already have an idea of their strategy and know what they're going to be doing and then what they're looking for us to do is create their assets and then maybe do the project management to actually run the campaign to optimize it. And then what I find also really exciting and kind of a new uh, growing area of the business is what I'm calling like this growth champion marketing mentoring offering where I'm working with primarily like solopreneurs or very small businesses where these companies are the absolute experts of what they do and they're trying to grow a business in that field, but they don't know about marketing. So what I do is we we meet on a weekly, bi-weekly, monthly basis, and I'm providing them the frameworks and the strategy from the get-go so that from the very beginning, they're not wasting their time on 
superfluous activities that seem like a good idea, but you know, they're spending all their time trying to update like four different or five different social media platforms. You're like, is this a good use of your time? How do we make this really strategic so that you can focus on the other parts of the business or make it very easy for them to implement their own um, marketing? And what's so exciting about that part of the business is to, to be part of somebody's dream is crazy fulfilling. It's so lovely to be like, you know, and getting to learn about their expertise, whether it be jewelry or baking, yoga, whatever it is, um, learn about their expertise and then kind of add into their success. Um, mm-hmm. But really, I don't know, I get a real high off of those sessions as well. <laughs> I can imagine. It does sound incredible. And it's almost sort of being able to come in and provide that coaching kind of aspect to other people based on your own learning by the sounds of it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not a qualified coach. This is actually the topic of the week that I'm talking about with my friends. So, it, so it's definitely about giving that marketing frameworks and that marketing expertise and saying this is how um, we can do things to make it streamlined. This is going to be a good use of time. This is not going to be a good use of time. Are we setting yourself up for success? Because this is actually how long it takes to make a newsletter and get it out, and, you know, these kind of things. Um, as well as also, yeah, be able to say, like, you know, I've gone through that experience before. How can we start to collaborate really quickly so that you don't have to create a brand new audience from scratch, right? Like, how can we get into these other collaborators' uh, situation? But, yeah, there is an element of that coaching. And there was a chat this week where I was telling one of my clients, it's like, you, okay, this is it's not, it wasn't about marketing. It was about negotiations. I was like, just go practice in the mirror, like what you want to say and, and get that going. So it was a little bit more than marketing. It was saying, yeah, you can do it. I know you can do it. You've done this before. Um, it's a bit of a cheerleading exercise, I guess. Absolutely. Sort of nurturing growth in others through your own experiences. It sounds great. So kind of talking about, um, you talked about helping other people with kind of their dreams. When you first started Tutadina, what was it like when it came to kind of selecting your team and getting other people on board and kind of having to open up your idea to other people? Yeah. So as far as the people that I work with, as far as my suppliers are, um, the best benefit about this is getting to choose my suppliers and getting to say that I have such faith in their expertise. I work with people that I consider to be the absolute experts in what they've done. Um, nobody that I work with has less than seven years experience. Most people have about 10 to 15 years experience. So I have a lot of faith in uh, their expertise and their experiences and their ability to kind of bring a very different lens to every single product and every single project. And the way that I work with my team very much is saying, look, you you know you. You tell me how much time this takes. You tell me when you'll get this done by. Mm-hmm. And then I, then I go back to the customer. You know, I had a day or two just in case. But, like, I'm very much have a team that can manage themselves, that they already know what they're doing. Um, they set the commitment so that I trust that if they've set that own deadline for themselves, they'll work to it and that kind of thing. I can say that one of the absolute pleasures of my job is working with mo- working with my whole team, but perhaps in particular uh, with my designer, who I happen to have known um, since I was 10. And so... Uh, 
but I'm not biased because of that. But it's just one of these things when I get to have a call with her to talk through a new project. She's so thoughtful. She's had such other interesting experiences coming from a very different design background. She's, uh, we can discuss what are the potential roadblocks that are going to happen, how we're going to de-risk it. And then what comes back is so beautiful. It really excites me. And I, I hope I'm not embarrassing her too much, but genuinely I'm like, oh, I just really look forward to the, how she's going to help problem solve this and, and what creative solution and what creative ideas she's going to bring to this, this topic. Because there are things like, oh, I would have never, I feel like I'm very much a person, the way that we look at marketing or the way I look at marketing is I start with data that add the creative. Mm-hmm. Whereas I know the kind of traditional uh, draw of marketing is all of the creative and all the big campaigns. So it is one of these things where if I'm starting from the strategy and then trying to add the creative and then to see how the creative comes back or to see like some great copywriting comes back, I just get so excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. So. And would you say when it comes to kind of choosing the people that you work with and um, I guess would you say to other people that having that balance between having people with the correct expertise, but also people that on a personal level that you gel with and work really well with, how important would you say that is? Look, if you don't like, if you are a small business and you do not like the people that you are working with, this is, I can't think of a more stressful situation. And so can you marry the scenario of somebody that you need to upskill? And you do have to invest in managing these people um, and, you know, and upskilling them and training them and so forth for them to kind of grow into what you hope them to be. Uh, but part of being an, kind of part of being an entrepreneur is you get to pick who you want to work with. You want to work with smart people who can get things done. Um, you obviously need to be human because if some people are going through personal aspects and right now everyone's dealing with a lot, a lot personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and in some ways I think it's an opportunity because, you know, people are sharing far more than they would normally and you kind of can give them more space personally to say, okay, you need a little bit of, you need that walk at three o'clock to just walk away and, and clear your head and I, you get that whatever time in your diary to, to go do that. Um, I do, what's an interesting thing about this idea is we did a, I did a project a few years ago where we were, where I was interviewing quite a lot of um, fast growth startups. Uh, and we were looking for particular com- companies to participate in a case study project. But I got to go talk to a lot of really interesting startups. And the thing that I found really interesting is the thing that came up time and time again. And this is, these are companies where at the beginning of the year, they were 30 people. And by the end of the year, they were 100 people. Super fast growth. And almost all of them said that they hired the senior person six months later than they should have or could have. And Uh I completely understand that situation because you're looking for, you don't have a lot of money to afford the senior person. So you make do with a few junior people, but then you don't necessarily have the time to, or you don't choose to to take the time to upskill those people who are going to be like super loyal. They're, they're going to be great for your company because they'll be super loyal. You're giving them, you know, their first or second or third job experience. You know, they have a lot of energy. They have a lot of keenness to be there, but then you're not actually, I've seen it quite a lot, but then you're not actually bringing them up with you. You're not actually saying this is your job is to do this and this and this, not to do those things at this moment. Um, 
So, so I weigh that as well. So it's like, you know, do you like the person? Can they get it done? If they're a bit more junior, how do I want to train them to become part of the Chitadina family? You know, mm-hmm. do they know what our kind of ground rules are? Uh, are they going to re- represent the company well? Um, and are they going to do good work? You know? Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. So we talked kind of about nurturing kind of ideas and um, you've just sort of talked about nurturing kind of your own team and identifying opportunities for people to grow. Um, can it sometimes be difficult to kind of identify your own progress and success when you're in the thick of it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How do you take a step back and kind of see that bigger picture and kind of check in with yourself? Um, well, this is a really timely conversation. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think that I have a very clear vision for the company and I have a clear vision for myself. And I think what gets difficult is um, breaking those things down sometimes to say what are the right steps to get forward. I think this, the short answer, though, is I go and talk to people. That works for me. I'm very fortunate right now to um, be in two different mentor programs. So I have two different mentors. It was something that when it came up, I was like, oh, should I be working with two at, at the same time? And then I was like, yeah, of course. This is a, these opportunities have come up and, and talk to it. So I'm talking to, to two amazing people who have really made me feel like even though we've known each other a very short time that they're on my side and that they're trying to help me with exactly this topic to say you are doing really well in this but how about we can look at these things in a different way I think it's really hard for a solopreneur to turn off um, I do very much realize that I spend 90% of my waking time thinking about the company I might not be working all of those hours but I'm thinking about it all the time uh, so I, I don't know if I have the best advice as I am in it, but I, I am talking this through with different mentors. I'm equally mentoring somebody else and informally mentoring a, a few other people. And I think that also helps give light because you hear yourself say things to people and are like, oh, wait, that, I should do that too. Like, and should is a bad word, but it's like, oh, I can take a moment to, to do that. I think the other thing that I've been doing to kind of get out of it a new practice is I have like a whiteboard right next to me that has my one month goals, my three month goals, my six month goals, which are part of my, you know, which are a subset of like the, the bigger vision and then breaking that down into really small parts. And so, you know, at the top of each thing, it says, okay, here's these three categories for this month, but here's all the little parts of it that need to get done to, to make up that one big goal. And I think sometimes it's easy just to get fixated on the big goal rather than saying that. So being able to like, you know, at the end of July and look at my board and say, oh, most of these things have check marks on it, which means we're even closer to what's going on. But I think it is that matter of being able to sit and just look at it and be like, that's a lot of check marks. Good job. (laughs) Absolutely. So breaking it down and just taking the time to actually look at what I, I guess, looking at what you have achieved rather than just focusing on what you still have to do. Yes. I had a mentor in my first job and I was really stressed out about where I was going and so forth. And she had told me, she's like, Margaret, you're always looking at the next mountain. And I see this a lot. Like you're always looking at the next mountain. Um, She's like, but we need to stop 
and me to look down because three months ago when we started working together, you hadn't done this, 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 and this. And now you have done all of those things plus this, this, this. So she's like, we have to stop. We need to look down and we need to realize that we're on the top of this mountain. Yeah. You often look that you've climbed up. You're at the top of this mountain before you're just always obsessed with looking at the top of the next mountain. And I think that's been a really great, <laughs> literally grounding exercise to stop and say, well, we have, you know, these baby steps really matter. Like, you know, they really matter. They are getting a little bit of it. I think another entrepreneur had said, you know, take your goal, break it down, which I think I was already doing. It. And then he added and he's like, and you have to celebrate it. Mm, yeah. Celebrate that celebration for you and so forth. And I do that with our clients when we get to any kind of particular milestone, either when I'm working with just the, the business owners who, you know, we have to say, like, look, we, we made a whole plan. This is amazing. You know, three months ago, this business didn't exist. And now you have, now you've made all these sales. It's amazing. Um, and, and with our marketers, we say, look at, we've built this new campaign that you guys have never done before. Now we can lap the, you know, make benchmarks and now we can build on it. And that's super exciting as well. Yeah. Amazing. That's a, I love that analogy sort of, focus on the mountain you're on and at the top hat rather than just looking at the next one I think that's a really great visual to have in your head sometimes because I think it is so easy like you say to just always be going okay what's next what's next and just taking that time for yourself to look at what you've just achieved is really important um so in the process of becoming an entrepreneur would you say that it's taught you things about yourself that maybe you didn't know beforehand yeah for sure I think that one of the biggest surprises that have come out of the last five years is absolutely how much I love like financial forecasting. <laughs> like, like I've created some spreadsheets that I just, I really could spend a lot of time in them. You know, I've later today I'm talking to, to a freelancer to discuss the, the spreadsheet I've made for her to be able to track, you know, all of the different impact. And I think that's been a real eye opener to say, Oh, I really love this part of the business. I really love this. I, you know, how I'm tracking cash flow or the models of tracking revenue when, you, when it's all piecemeal um, hours and these kind of things. Um, so that's been a big surprise, but it's also been a really nice surprise. And then I think what's also come into that, you know, someone's like, why are you spending so much time on that part of it? You should get the accountant to do that, a bookkeeper to do it. And what's helped for me is I'm like, but I don't want to outsource the thing that I, one of my favorite parts of the business. So it makes you start to realize, okay, what are the parts of the business that I am a lot happier to outsource that to make it more efficient, you know, run these kind of things as well. And so that's just kind of an interesting space. Uh, and now I jokingly say, obviously I am addicted to digital marketing. But I'm like, I wish I had known what finance was <laughs> when they talked about like going into finance. I was like, they didn't really explain that as well. <laughs> um, and I still probably don't know what it really means, but it but it is an interesting thing that's come. It's been the delight, you know, to find something that you really love on top of the, the other parts of it. So. Mm. And would you say it's kind of taught you that it's important to be open in that way, to kind of going, okay, I started this thinking of myself as one thing, but I've discovered this new thing that I love. And as you say, kind of allowing yourself to hold on to those things that you've discovered that you're actually really passionate about. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, at the moment, I just feel like I'm very open anyway. And so I'm very curious of, of the different opportunities that come about. It's an interesting thing because you look at different um, 
you know, when people put out those different job specs, it's really funny of looking like at a job spec for a big company versus a job spec for a startup because a startup's going to ask you to be 8,000 things. And, and not everyone, most people are not 8,000 things. And the truth is what you're looking for is somebody that's just agile, sees a hole and is willing to try to fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's really, I think it is a really good exercise occasionally as you're talking about when you get kind of too deep into it to kind of take that step back and say, okay, if you list all of the things that you do, what are all the things that you, that you love and what are the things that you don't mind and what are the things that you really greatly dislike and do those things that you greatly dislike for, can you outsource it? Are they getting in the way of, of, of the growth? Um, or how necessary are they? And taking stock of all of the different hats that you wear throughout the day. Mm, absolutely. So final question for this episode. Um, with everything that's going on and everything that you've learned, what key activities would you recommend entrepreneurs invest their time in right now? If you haven't already, you need to kind of go through your cash flow to understand uh, what are the different things that are necessary, that what have you been paying for that aren't necessary. I've, I've cut a few subscriptions to the business um, for myself on a minute schedule, you know, whether or not that's taking people off domain and just seeing what, what's going on with your cash and comparing to your pipeline. Um, I also think that it's a good time to start to look at organic collaborations. What are the complementary goods that go along with your services and can you start to work with other small businesses or other large, you know, whatever it is, but how can you start to get that uh, exposure through complementary audiences? So it's situations where you know, do you really know your audience? Where else are they looking for your products? Do they know that they need your product? Or do you have to educate them that they need your product? If it's a situation where they, you need to educate them that they need, where are they already searching online? And can you go and do those kind of collaborations and be a bit more scrappy and how you get your voice out there? But mm-hmm. I also think it's a good time to stop and actually make your strategy. Because I think one of the things that I see a lot that I try to help and, and slow down for companies is because of the nature of social media and the automation of the tools, it's very easy to have an instinct and then put something live within, you know, five minutes, right? You uh-huh. need to put something out there. And then there's this um, rush of disappointment when you haven't, it didn't do what you thought it would do. Well, it didn't do what you thought it would do because we didn't sit down and say, what is your entire strategy? What are you really trying to get people to do? How are we going to get try people to do them? What kind of content do we want to get them? Do we want them to go to your site? What do you really want them to do when you post that post or send that newsletter or whatever it is? And it's surprising. There's, there's far more briefs that kind of forget the call to action than you think. And I'm the one that's always like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Let's make sure it's very crystal clear so that we know that every action we're doing is within your strategy, within your plan, and getting it closer into you know, building that, that pipeline um, customer journey that you're trying to build. Thanks for listening to the show. And thank you to Margaret for joining us and sharing her experiences and insights. Don't forget, you can also listen to the first and third episodes in this podcast mini-series with Margaret Shearer, in which we talk about taking a leap to pursue a new path and the future of marketing. 
You can also tune into our other Cranfield alumni podcast by visiting www.cranfield.ac.uk forward slash alumni podcast, where you can subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. To get in touch, you can email us on alumni at cranfield.ac.uk, tweet us at Cranfield Alumni, and use the hashtags Cranfield Alumni and Cranfield Alumni Connected. I'm Jenny Lucas-Hill, and you've been listening to Alumni Matters. Thanks for tuning in.